Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I have a mini episode just for you. Today's mini episode is all about you as the parent. And one of the things that often comes up in the diagnostic evaluation process is that that parents are getting their child diagnosed, then they find themselves wondering if they are neurodivergent themselves or if they are autistic. And this is a really common part of the process. And so I just wanted to shed some light on that in this mini episode. So let's talk about genetics here for a second. So what we know about autism is that there is a genetic basis to autism. And so what that means is if your child has autism, you are actually more likely to be autistic yourself because those genes may have been passed down. Now, it's also very possible, though, that you aren't autistic and your your partner isn't autistic either, but that your child is autistic. And that is something called the broader autism phenotype, meaning one of you likely are a carrier of the gene, but maybe don't have the full expression of the gene. The gene is not fully activated per se. And we do have someone coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks who is going to be talking about this concept of epigenetics, which is the the gene times environment interaction. What happens when you have the gene and then how does it interact with different environmental factors to get either turned on or off? And so the broader autism phenotype is this concept where you may have passed the genes down to your child but maybe the gene isn't fully expressing. So you may not meet diagnostic criteria for autism yourself. Now, I think this is a really important caveat. I'm talking about just the the transmission of genes here, but I also know that this is an emotional topic for parents. It's easy to be like, oh gosh, is it my fault that my child has autism, that my child is autistic? And I don't want you to take this episode as a blame game. Instead, what I want you to take this episode as is a way to explore your own brain and how your brain functions and seeing if some of those similarities are there. Because the more insight you can gain into yourself, the more insight you're also going to have in knowing how to support your child. And also, I talked about this in the Q&A episode that aired right before this, taking care of your own energy. Emotions are energy. And when you can really start to understand yourself, you can start to take care of your own energy. And then in turn, that impacts your autistic child and creating more of a safe space because they aren't also managing your energy in the process. But it's really important for you to hear this isn't about blame. This isn't saying you caused your child's autism. So I am oversimplifying the genetics a little bit. It's super complicated. We don't even fully understand it. There is genetic testing that can be done and there are identified genes that cause autism, but there are more genes that have not been identified likely that cause autism. They think it's like hundreds and hundreds of different genes and gene variations. And that's the other thing is that we also know that there are what we call spontaneous mutations. And I'm talking at the genetic level. An example of this is actually with fathers with like older aged fathers. So fathers that are 40 and older have an increased risk of having an autistic child. And 
even more so fathers that are 50 and older have a significantly higher risk of having an autistic child. And it's interesting because most things have been linked to maternal age. Autism is one that has been linked to paternal age. And this is a super basic understanding, but basically in sperm, there are genes that are essential for brain development. And basically those mutate as the sperm ages, as the sperm gets older, and those are critical for brain development. And we know that brain development is related to autism. So it's not always like a known genetic mutation or genetic variation that's causing your child's autism. Lots of environmental things also come into play, which we could have a whole episode on. But with that being said, we know that there is a much higher likelihood that if your child is autistic, that you or your child's other biological parent could also have autism. We also know that there's a much higher likelihood of your other children also having autism. So right now in the United States, the prevalence rate is one in 36 at the time I'm recording this episode. And, and we have seen that increasing. And some of that is genetics, you know, that more people are meeting at later ages, that also more people with potentially the broader autism phenotype that have the genes, but not the full expression are having children themselves. But then also there's environmental factors and we absolutely know we're getting better at identifying autism. But one in 36 for your other children, if you have one autistic child, there is a one in five chance that another one of your children will also have autism. And so there's also an elevated likelihood that you could be autistic yourself. And it's a little bit easier to study children because we can follow younger siblings prospectively and watch their development and really understand like how autism develops and when we can identify it and all of that and getting a really clear rate of prevalence that becomes easier based on research designs. But we know that there's an increased likelihood of autism in parents. We also know that there is a relationship between an autistic child being more likely to have a parent with other mental health disorders, things like anxiety, depression, ADHD, all of that. Now, what's interesting is, is that causal? That is really, really hard to be able to study because it could be, for example, we think about something like depression. It could be the depressive state is because you're, maybe you have an autistic child who isn't sleeping as much. And so then you're more dysregulated. That could be contributing to it. There also could be other environmental triggers, for example, like things are harder, or maybe you feel anxious all the time because you're hypervigilant about your child's developmental milestones, all of that. So it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg, but we do know that there is this increased likelihood. So that's a little bit on the science and just throwing it out there so you understand that. But what I want you to take from this episode is it is not uncommon for parents to go on their own exploration of being like, hey, am I autistic myself? And some of that can be a challenging process that you've gone all your life and never questioned this. And then all of a sudden, it's like this double whammy, so to speak, of you're being told your child has autism, but then you're also trying to figure out who you are in the process. And that can be hard and difficult to navigate. And then it becomes, okay, where do I find time to 
do a diagnostic evaluation? Can I find a provider who does adult evaluations as well? And it's clear that your, your skill set, there wasn't as much impairment in order for you to get to the point that you're at right now in life. And so keeping in mind, we used to call this Asperger's or high-functioning autism. Both of those terms don't really exist anymore, but that is the profile that we're looking at is that you had a lot of strengths that were able to carry you through. And likely as a child, individuals like you weren't being diagnosed are more likely to be missed. Now, you growing up right now in this current day of age, you'd probably be more likely to get that autism diagnosis in childhood, but we absolutely still see delayed diagnoses and lots of kids being missed currently. And so it does become a self-exploration journey. I will say this is not an area of specialty for me doing adult evaluations. I've done them in the past, but, you know, I've really focused on child development in particular, early child development. But one of the things for you to weigh out is what would be the benefit of getting a diagnosis? I always think clarity and understanding yourself is something that we gain from the evaluation process and actually having that quote unquote label to be like, okay, that is how my brain thinks. But unlike with kids that can receive a lot of services and grants and different funding and support, the same is not true for you as an adult. And so that's something for you to think through personally if you actually want to have that identified, keeping in mind that one option would be to go through private pay if you're able to afford that route. So it's not linked to your medical record, to your health insurance. It allows you to explore and understand yourself without feeling like that diagnosis follows you. So that could be an option. Um, but yeah, ultimately you might be like, hey, I don't need to understand this and that is okay. I also think that leaning into learning about neurodiversity is going to help you to understand yourself and help you to understand your child and what neurodivergence is. And some adults I've just seen classifying themselves as neurodivergent and not getting the actual diagnostic labels that come with it. So that is just a little inside scoop into, I wanted to have an episode to put a pole in the sand of like, listen, y'all, this is super common. So if you are experiencing this, I want you to know that you're not alone. It's really common that I get families then that are saying, hmm, I see these traits maybe in my husband, or I've wondered if I'm autistic, could that be the case? And we're talking about that and talking about the likelihood of that being true. And again, I'm recommending for parents to go on this exploration journey for themselves and deciding if they also want to do that evaluation. And there's pros and cons to it. I think that truly there are more, more balanced pros and cons, aka more potential cons for adults going through this. I think sometimes that it, it being in your medical record, a lot of autistic adults have described that they started to be treated differently things like that. Sometimes too, like if you ever wanted to leave the country, that can create some limitations as well. And not saying that's not true for children, but I think the benefits of getting a diagnosis because it creates so much more access are much higher for children than they are for adults. But I also think the validation of understanding yourself becomes really important. 
All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's mini episode. If you have questions about this topic, DM me and I'll do some additional research. Like I said, this isn't an area of specialty for me. I am working on also getting more autistic adults on the podcast. One great episode would be going and listening to the episode with autistic therapist, Sam Marion. He talks about his own experience of being a late identified autistic and what it was like to go through that journey. All right, y'all. That's a wrap and I will see you back here soon. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye y'all and I'll see you soon.